mindfulness mode. What we think and what we are attracts more of the same. Welcome to Mindfulness Mode. It's exciting to be here once again and always be remembering the thing that we talk about quite a bit on this show and that is that what you think about and your thoughts have incredible power and that you actually attract what you're thinking about and so that's why we have to really be cognizant of what we are thinking about and isn't that what mindfulness is about you know we we talk to different guests and find out all different aspects of their thoughts on mindfulness and today I'm happy to tell you that this is going to be a really interesting and fascinating episode because I'm here with someone who has been through a lot of challenges and has learned about mindfulness in what I would say is like really the the tough way, like just going through hardships and difficulties and challenges. Today I'm with Ray Hyde Cornell. Ray, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am. Thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to be here. Well, it's my absolute pleasure to have you here. And and it's exciting because we're going to be talking about your new book and talking about a little bit about your journey and so on. But Ray, what does mindfulness mean to you? Mindfulness to me means self-awareness. It means looking inward. What is the environment that I'm creating within myself, within my body, within my mind, and what happens in my mind affects what happens in my body on a chemical level. So mindfulness is being aware of that inner environment rather than the trap that we often get caught up in, which is what's going on in my external environment. Right. Well, thanks for sharing that. Now, I know you've been freelancing for a long time, more than 15 years, and I I know that you have a lot of tricks and techniques that you share with other people who are wanting to get into this space or maybe in the space and struggling a little bit. Tell us how you help other people in this in this space. Sure. Yeah. So as you said, I've been freelancing for over 15 years and Um, Over that time, I built my solopreneur business from being a freelance writer up to having a full-blown content marketing agency. And naturally, I kind of fell into this mentor role with a lot of the freelance writers and designers and VAs on my team. And it just felt... It felt so right to be Mm. kind of helping people accelerate their growth as freelancers and hopefully skip some of the hard lessons I had to learn as a freelancer. And so I separated out those mentoring programs that kind of naturally evolved into a completely separate business. So now I still run Cornell Content Marketing, which is my freelance business, and I run Chiron Consulting, which is the training platform for people who want to build self-employed creative careers as whether they're freelance writers, designers, VAs, project managers, photographers, massage therapists, personal trainers, anybody in that service-based kind of freelance world. So I do private mentoring and we have business building workshops every month. So Ray, how does it feel when you get connected to somebody and they've been having a rough time and having real challenges with their business, challenges in their life, and you're able to consult with them and help them through this? How does that feel to you? 
Oh, it's just, it's the most rewarding thing. I mean, talk about finding your life purpose. I mean, I feel like when I meet someone and we're doing mentoring, we're doing business mentoring. And the way that I look at business mentoring is your business is meant to support your life, not the other way around. We do not live in order to work. We work in order to have the lives that we want. And so when I'm working with someone, there's nothing that's off limits. We talk about mental health. We talk about family stuff, family planning, family not planning. We talk about social relationships, where we're going to move all of the different things that we think about in life because your business needs to support what you want. And so when I start working with someone and they start having these epiphanies and things start clicking into place and they're starting to recognize patterns and obstacles that they've been running up into again and again and again, and we can find them a way through those obstacles quicker, not only does their business fall into place and they have a more stress-free experience working in their own business, they get to make more money, they have an easier time working with their clients, but also their life falls into place. Their relationships improve, their health improves, their overall stress goes down. Everything just starts kind of clicking. Well, I get those same feelings too. When I help clients, it's it's an yeah. amazing feeling and uh, I'm, I'm really interested in learning more. Now, I know your website is chironconsulting.us and Chiron, I want you to tell us this story, the trainer that Chiron is known as and Chiron is spelled C-H-I-R-O-N. So chironconsulting.us is your website. Tell us about Chiron. Yes. So Chiron is my namesake. He's a, there's a, a Greek myth that uh, there was a half man, half horse born from a woodland nymph and a Titan. And he was rejected by both of his parents. And he grew up in the forest. He had to survive on his own. He had to make his own way in the world. He had to figure it out the hard way. Eventually, he was adopted by Apollo. Apollo taught him medicine, healing, archery, music, and Chiron grew into this, I want to say man, but being, he was half man, half horse, who became the trainer to some of the world's most legendary heroes, like Ajax, Achilles, Hercules, and through his journey, he helped these heroes become who they were meant to be so they could fulfill their potential, find their purpose, and help the world defeat monsters and, you know, all the, all the things that we love from mythology. And that was his role. He was there to be the trainer of the heroes that we, we know about, that we think about. Nobody knows about the trainer behind the scenes. And that's what I want. That's what I want to be. I want to be the one behind the scenes training my clients how to be the heroes of their own story and fulfill their greatest potential. Well, that story is very inspiring, but that story also reminds me of another story and uh, you sent me some of your writing and I, I've been reading it and I was like, so wowed to be reading your story and you're so eloquent in the way you tell the story. And it's just, it just pulled me right in and I, I just kept reading and reading and reading. But tell us about how this story that you just shared parallels your own. Yeah, and um, when I, so I, I grew up obsessed with mythology. I loved Egyptian mythology and Greek and Roman and, and all the things. And I had never actually heard the story of Chiron until I was in my thirties. And when I read this story, I was, 
I was just beside myself because it, it runs directly parallel to my life up to a point. And then I, I go, okay, now I want the rest of my life to parallel his as well. I want to become this trainer for the, the world's heroes. And the reason it parallels my life is because I, I was in a very similar situation growing up. Um, I was raised by two cops, both of whom were either not around when I was growing up or when they were around, they were violent, they were angry. And I had to figure out things on my own. I mean, I remember when I was probably, what was I, nine or 10, I was washing my parents' bulletproof vests because they were working 12-hour shifts for a biotech kind of like a riot thing going on in, in downtown San Diego. And they were, you know, on the front lines, they had their shields and everything. They'd come home, they'd drop their bulletproof vests, they'd drop their uniforms, they'd go to bed and I would wash everything. And then they would get up, they would eat something that, that I cooked that I, you know, put in the oven, some kind of like pre-prepared casserole or whatever. And then they went off to work again. And I was there at home just trying to figure out life on my own. And that was a theme that continued all the way through when I was 16, I got kicked out of the house. I had to figure out, okay, what am I going to do? How am I going to survive this? I decided to drop out of high school, but I didn't want to go through life without a high school diploma. So I went to every single community college that I could reach in the San Diego area, which ended up being about five different community colleges. And I got all the credits that I needed to graduate high school within about a six week period. So I had my high school diploma by October of what should have been my senior year when I was 16. And then went off to college and same thing. I had to survive there. I was in another survival situation and I just wanted out of it. And so I ended up graduating in three years. And really it, it was just this repeating pattern of pushing myself, pushing to survive and not accepting what the world said was possible or impossible. Like my college literally told me there's no way you're going to graduate in three years. There's no way that you're going to complete these credits. And I said, watch me because there's no other option. I'm out of here. I'm done. But I wanted to get my degree. So I made it happen. Well, it was exciting to read about you making it happen. I can tell you it was, it was just inspiring. And Tell us about your book, Corporate Dropouts, which you've you've finished writing and it's published and it's available. Tell us about this book and what the, the main theme was that you wanted people to pick up from your book. Yes. So this is a multi-author book. So mine is only one chapter of, I think there are uh, 20 chapters in the entire book. And each chapter is a story of a woman who went into corporate life. And for me, my, my stint in corporate was about four months. I was a terrible employee. <laughs> I was freelancing on the side all the way to chasing what I thought I was supposed to do. I, I, you know, I got the degrees, I got a bachelor's degree. I got two master's degrees. I was headed into being a counselor in the prison system. I got the job at the mental hospital. That was supposed to be a stepping stone. And I hated the mental health world and the all the red tape and all the bureaucracy and just this very corporate feel to something that should have been very human. And many of the ladies in the book, they have a similar story. There's lawyers. There are people who uh, went into fashion. They pursued that passion. They, they went into all these different fields and realized 
the corporate way of doing things, the nine to five, the get the good job, get the corner office, climb the ladder, the dog eat dog sort of world wasn't fulfilling on a soul level. And so they left it all behind. Some of them left, you know, multiple six figure salaries for nothing. Like, like they left with no safety net because they knew that the status, the money, the title, it didn't matter if they were bankrupt on a heart level, an energy level, a soul level. And so each of these stories tells different paths of coming to that realization and then how they created the new life that they now have and love. So some people really thrive in the corporate environment and some people don't, and that's okay. But society tells us that that's what we should be doing. We should be fitting ourselves into the traditional W-2 employee mold. And if you feel like that's not the place for you, I would recommend grabbing this book because there is absolutely at least one story in this book, if not multiple, that's going to inspire you and give you a light that kind of guides you out of that place that you're not meant to be in. Wow. Ray, I want to shift direction a little bit. Sure. I want to ask you about your monthly barrier shattering workshops that you hold. <laughs> Who's the ideal client for that workshop? And, and what do you teach in that workshop? Yeah, that's a great question. Thank you so much for asking that. Um, so my workshops are meant for people who are self-employed, whether you're a freelance writer or you're running a business as a massage therapist, a personal trainer, anything like that, anything service-based. And my workshops kind of oscillate month to month uh, between uh, business building. So we do things like find your ideal client and stand out from the so-called competition or non-sleazy sales tactics and how to turn sales into an easy conversation that you and your client enjoy or you know, marketing, how to create a marketing strategy that you will actually stick to. So we do those business building things. And then we also every other month we do more energetic focused things. So we have like the energy aligned success schedule. We have write it. So, which is a workshop on manifestation and how to get your thoughts in alignment with what you actually want through journaling. So all of my workshops are really designed to help people break through things like imposter syndrome, or I don't know how to do this, or I'm afraid to do this. Where do I find clients? All those things that really hold us back when we are self-employed and wearing all of the hats. Ray, when I read about you and talk to you, I, I feel like, oh my gosh, this woman is almost like a superhuman. She's <laughs> done all these things and she's pushed through, pushed through, pushed through, but yet you're human. What do you do when you're overwhelmed? What do you do when that inner voice is telling you that things are not okay? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I am human. <laughs> I, <laughs> I Running two businesses, I get overwhelmed all the time, probably at least once a week. I hit a point where I'm like, oh my God, what do I do? And I get this like kind of tension in my body and, and in my, my head. And, and it's recognizing that first and foremost, I've gotten really good at recognizing that feeling because part of mindfulness and self-awareness is 
being able to recognize when something is going off track. And the quicker you can do that, the more you practice mindfulness and self-awareness techniques, you can recognize that quicker and get yourself out of it quicker. As opposed to, you know, when I was younger, I may have stayed in that place for, I mean, I've always been very action oriented, so it didn't last very long, but I may have been in that place for a couple of weeks Mm -hmm. and it was just miserable. And so now when I recognize it, it takes me a couple of minutes and I go, oh, okay, I'm feeling overwhelmed. And I am, one of my friends likes to call me an Uber Capricorn because I am like Capricorn to the extreme. (laughs) (laughs) And basically what that means is I'm super organized. I'm a planner. I am super structured. And so when I start feeling overwhelmed, I write everything down. I get it all out of my head because I've learned that by kind of studying my own thoughts, that for me, overwhelm means I have too many things jumbled up in my head and I don't know which one to give my attention to. It's very similar to um, if you've ever seen Harry Potter and um, Dumbledore has the pensive where he takes his wand and he pulls these silver strings of thread out of his head and into the bowl. That's what planning, journaling, list making is for me so that I can take this jumbled knot of thoughts in my head and lay out these strings in words on the page where everything is nice and organized and untangled. And then I can go through and go, okay, this is what needs my immediate attention. This is where I can focus. And it becomes so much simpler. Wow. I enjoy your description of this. We (laughs) talk about journaling quite a bit on the show, but the way you've described this makes it just really feel so real and that, hey, this is something that anyone can do. Absolutely. I want to ask you this, Ray. Do you meditate? Is that part of your life? I do. Yes, absolutely. And I would say um, it's really become more a part of my life over the last six months or so um, because I, I had to go through a process of figuring out what kind of meditation works for me, you know, the headspace app things and just sitting there and trying to clear your mind, that doesn't work for me. My mind is very active and I I like to be very focused on a goal. And so I like to do meditation with a particular goal in mind. Like I'm going to meditate to the point of connecting with the universe, or I'm going to enter the space between the three-dimensional world and, you know, um, universal consciousness, that space in between where there's no time, no place, no thing, no one where it's just a void essentially, but it's a comforting void. I will try to get myself there. So I had to really test out a lot of different types of meditation and practice all sorts of things that were incredibly frustrating until I figured out what really works for me. And now it's a daily habit that I just, I crave. Oh, great. When I work with some of my clients, I create an image for them and I use hypnosis and I take Mm -hmm. them through certain places. And one of the things I do is I talk about, just imagine if in your life you were just soaring above the crowd. Well, you came up with that concept and created your podcast based on that. And you called it the Soar Podcast. Tell us about your podcast. (laughs) Yes, yes, thank you. Um, My podcast is called the Soar Podcast. And really it's intended to share stories and also techniques. In every single episode, we get into techniques on how do you do this? And how did you figure out this? And how did you get to where do you are? And what's your best advice for freelance writers, designers, creatives, you know, all the things. But really the intention is 
and, and the tagline for the show is turning the impossible into the inevitable. And I want people to see what's possible so that they can never tell themselves that their dreams are impossible. I want them to soar. I want them to reach new heights that they have never even conceptualized before because they have been putting these glass ceilings on themselves. And I want to shatter those by opening their eyes to what is really out there for them. Wow. I like that. Turning the impossible into the inevitable. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's a beautiful idea. It really is. As we move forward in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions, Ray. Okay. And so just 30 second answers are perfect. The first one is this, who is one person who has been a powerful mindfulness influence in your life? Mm, Vishen Lakhiani. So Vishen Lakhiani is the founder of Mind Valley. I have listened to his story of growing up in Malaysia probably a dozen times. And every time I do how he had this apartment where he just basically had this little corner mattress. And, you know, he, he started by selling meditations on CDs and then he, he went to this event in LA and, and just his journey is so inspiring to me because he literally came from nothing. And even as a young child, he was asking questions about the mold that was being put on him. Like, hey, in our culture, we don't eat beef. And he goes, why? Even at a young, a young age, I think he was maybe seven when he was asking his mom this, he goes, why? It doesn't make any sense to me. Tell me why I want to understand. And to have that amount of curiosity and questioning the, the system and, and trying to find your own way in the world from such an early age, it, it's like he just has this energy of rebellion, but for the greater good. He is all about helping people find their way in the world and break through their own barriers. And so I've read just about everything that he's written. I am a subscriber to Mind Valley. I absolutely love what he's doing in the world. Well, I do too. I'm inspired as well. well. I'm inspired by you and what you've come through, you know, after reading your story. Well, the second question is about emotions. And I know that in your story, you talked about a lot about your father and how he didn't seem to be able to deal with his emotions and he pushed them away using certain methods. But what about emotions in your life? How have you been able to deal with them, embrace them, maybe change the way you manage your emotions? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. So when I was younger and when I was really in survival mode, when emotions came up, I, I acted on impulse and oftentimes I acted out against myself. You know, I would drink too much or, you know, I would just do something reckless. And over the years, I've learned that emotions are information. Emotions are literally energy in motion, emotion. And when you allow that emotion to move through you and you allow yourself to be aware of it, you can watch what happens without judgment, without judging yourself for why am I feeling angry or why am I feeling sad or why am I getting so upset about this? And you recognize it as a process that has to happen. And so you allow it to happen, which means the energy doesn't build up in your body as something harmful. And at the same time, you're getting that message when you're open to observing that emotion, you can actually start to understand what is this telling me about the situation that I'm in? 
Yeah, I like that. I want to ask you about breathing. We haven't talked about that today. And if you have any special breathing techniques you use, or if you have any thoughts on breathing that would be related to mindfulness. Yeah, absolutely. So I, breathing is one of those things that if we don't pay attention to it, it can really mess with, it can kind of be the catalyst to us feeling anxious. So if we're going about our day and we're just so caught up in everything that we're doing and we're externally focused and our breathing starts to get really shallow, that can actually be a biological symbol or symbol signal to our bodies that we're in anxiety mode and that will trigger a panic attack. As opposed to if you pay attention to your breathing and you allow yourself to breathe fully into your chest, into your belly and let the breath go throughout your body, you will actually subdue those biochemical processes that you don't want to happen like an anxiety attack. Yeah. Yeah, that can really make a big difference. Let's talk about books. Your book, Corporate Dropouts, I recommend it. Are there any other books that you recommend that are related to mindfulness? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, well, Vishen Lakhiani's The Code of the Extraordinary Mind. I can't emphasize how um, powerful that one is in really allowing you to architect your own thought processes. And, you know, he likens thoughts to the software, I'm going to get his analogy wrong. He's much better at explaining it than I am, but he talks about, you know, if we're a computer, then our thoughts are the software and our behaviors. Nope. I have that wrong. (laughs) Our thoughts are the hardware. Our behaviors are the software that are running based on the hardware. So if you can deliberately design and he calls it consciousness engineering, if you can deliberately design your thoughts and be aware of what's going on in your mind, then you can really design your reality and your world. Yeah, I love the way he describes that because it's so true. Different people explain it in different ways, but that's a very clear and powerful way that he explains it. Yes. That's for sure. You've already mentioned some apps that uh, maybe can help with mindfulness, but do you have any other comment on apps? Apps, oh boy. Um, Or maybe you don't use apps at all and that's fine too. I don't, but well, I I don't use apps, but what I do like to use is um, I go on YouTube and there are, you know, hour, three hour long kind of like um, ohm chanting and Mm -hmm. just like beautiful ambient music that you can put on. I definitely recommend using ambient music while you're meditating because until you get to the point where you can sit in the middle of a busy grocery store and meditate, you're going to be distracted by the little bumps and the little, you know, sounds that you hear. And so if you can have a music that really relaxes you and allows you to sink in, keeps those distractions at bay and starts to train your brain that, Hey, when I hear this music, I'm going to start getting into this brainwave state then that can go a long way to accelerating your progress if you're a meditator. Right. Now, my next question is not part of the 30-second round. (laughs) It's just a a regular question. But I always ask my guests about bullying because I've worked in bullying Mm -hmm. prevention for a long time. I wonder, do you have a story that you can share with us about bullying where mindfulness would have made a difference? Yes. Um, So, uh, 
I'm going to put a little bit of a target on my back for this, but when I was in fourth grade, um, I changed schools because at my old school, I was being bullied. And there's this girl who her mom was one of the teachers there. And, and for some reason, I just totally rubbed her the wrong way. And so mm -hmm. she came after me and because her mom was a teacher, I ended up having to leave the school. Well, when I went to my new school, I became the bully. I was so angry and I was so lonely. I didn't know anybody. And I was kind of, uh, I was tall. I've always been tall. Um, I, so I was taller than a lot of the boys. And I guess I was strong. I was this kind of like scrawny kid, but I guess I was physically strong. And so I would kind of like, I guess, assert my strength. And I guess looking back on it, I was trying to demonstrate don't mess with me. Like yeah, sure. I, I can protect myself. Of and course. I remember there was one boy in particular who I would pick on and we're actually friends now today. Um, we're actually really good friends, but um, I would like grab his backpack and like swing him around. So he would lose his balance and like sometimes like fall on the ground and roll. And, and I had a teacher who called me into the classroom one day and she goes, you are a bully. And I got so angry at that because I don't like bullies. And I was like, I'm not a bully. And she pointed out what I was doing. And if I had, I mean, of course I was in fourth grade. So, sure. you know, I didn't fully have the, the cognitive capacity to realize this on my own, but I was so grateful for her pointing that out, looking back on it, because I was able to stop that pattern of behavior by her being that source of awareness and mindfulness for me in a way. And so once I realized what I was doing, I was no longer that person. I was no longer that bully. And I stopped lashing out at other kids. That's a great story, Ray. I really appreciate that you've been vulnerable enough to share that story with us. I want to ask you a little bit more about that, sure. that person that you became friends with. What was the process? Did it happen way back then? Did it happen later? When did you make that connection so that it was no longer a negative relationship? So I, I, think, I think he took it a lot better than I did, which... I mean, I'm so grateful for that because he extended me a lot of grace. So in fourth grade, I'm thinking about how young we were, it's just insane to, to think that these things, because I must've been nine years old, but I thought, oh, like this kid hates me and, and I don't like him. And, and so I'm going to pick on him and I'm going to, you know, assert my dominance and whatever, and nobody's going to mess with me. Well, because we grew up in a small town, we went through elementary school, middle school, and high school together. And over the years, sometimes we'd be in the same class and sometimes we wouldn't. And we kind of developed this like brother-sister relationship. And when we got into our 20s, we had a conversation about how I used to pick on him in fourth grade. And he told me he thought it was hilarious. He thought it was so funny. He used to say, I thought it was so cool that the cute girl in class was picking on me. <laughs> Isn't that funny how he had a completely yeah. different perception than you did? He did. And I was so grateful that he didn't resent me or, you know, think I was just a horrible person for the way I treated him back then. And so we kind of had a big laugh about it. And then, you know, now we're friends and we just, we stay in touch and he's married and has a gorgeous daughter. And so... Yeah, I'm glad I asked you. To, I'm glad yeah, I asked you for the rest of the story because that's that's really really neat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
Your website is, like I already mentioned, chironconsulting.us, and Chiron is C-H-I-R-O-N. And uh, Mindful Tribe, you can go there and check it out and also check out the book, Corporate Dropouts. But I just want to ask you before we wrap up the interview, if somebody's listening to this who just really would love to turn their life around and become more grounded and more focused, what words of advice do you have for that person? Start paying attention to the things that are going on in your head. Even if you need to set an alarm on your phone for every 90 minutes to do a personal check-in to go, what am I thinking? What am I feeling? Because what we think and what we are attracts more of the same. And so let's say you are going after a goal. You're trying to build a business or you're trying to, maybe you are in corporate and you're trying to go for that promotion, whatever the case may be. But if in the back of your head, you're thinking, I'm not good enough. They're never going to pick me They're, You know, I said this one thing at the Christmas party that one time. And so nobody's ever going to promote me to this position that I want, or I'm never going to get clients or I, maybe I'm just not good enough. If you're having those thoughts, that's what's going to manifest in your life. And instead, if you can start the process of being aware of that by just doing a simple check-in every hour, every 90 minutes, every two hours, whatever you can do, just start practicing, building that muscle of looking inward. And then you can course correct and go, oh, okay. I'm thinking negative thoughts. I need to shift over to, okay. This is going to take time. I can do this. I just need to put my best foot forward. You know, however you can shift it into just even the slightest bump towards positivity that will go so far to then manifesting those things in your life, the positive, the positivity, the good relationships, the opportunities that you want to come your way. Thanks so much for sharing that. And Mindful Tribe, she offers private coaching. She offers monthly workshops, a group mastermind. There is some way you can you can connect with Ray and make your business and your life better. And one of the things that you can do is, like a lot of her clients at least, you can triple your income. And that's something we didn't talk about, but just take it one step at a time. Just check out that monthly workshop. So Ray, thanks so much for joining us here on Mindfulness Mode. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This has been great. My pleasure. All the best to you. Bye now. See you too. Thanks. Hey, Mindful Tribe, thanks so much for joining us today here on Mindfulness Mode. It's great to have you here, and I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I do. And hey, how about you check out our YouTube channel? I'm just getting it going, so I don't have a huge number of subscribers, but maybe you will be our next subscriber. Just go to YouTube and type in Mindfulness Mode Podcast, and you'll see that we're putting up some short clips, we're putting up some larger clips from the episodes and just if you would let me know what you think about this do you prefer the short short little clips do you prefer the whole episode to be on youtube we're always looking for feedback email me bruce at mindfulnessmode.com and i'd love to hear your take on that so with that take what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm focus and happiness stay in the mode